My name is Carrie, and you are listening to From the Hip. I've always found it strange that I would have such a such a stark series of radical shifts in thinking uh, about different subjects in in my lifetime. I, I I hear people talk about the value of open mindedness, and and yet I've I. I know very few people who have been through um, so many, you know, even just three radical shifts in their thinking in their lifetime. And, uh, and I would say that, that perhaps I've gone through four or five or six or something. Maybe at this point I'm not keeping track, but very stark um, right turns or or U-turns, etc. And um, what I'm trying to, to speak of here is the ability to change one's thinking, to adapt to new information and, and to account for it. And, and quite a lot of this show is about, you know, my, my own... Trying to put emphasis on the need to not feel threatened by new information, or you know, or to to manage such feelings, and to um, play with it, embrace it, roll it around, etc., in useful ways. Well, the shift that I'm going to talk about now is a, is a different shift. Um, it's not necessarily so much of a um, cognitive or philosophical shift in thinking in my life, but just such of a, a tremendous realization. It's one that came unplanned, unexpectedly, and and has in some sense, radically changed my life. In other senses, not so much. Um, I guess the opening pretext was about explaining the fact that that my perception of myself w- was, a, was allowed to change within a few seconds. So, um, one year ago... I had set out to try to understand a person and a an encounter I had with that person that was shocking, bewildering, befuddling and and heartbreaking and and also very subtle. <laughs> also imperceptible almost imperceptible that there was something wrong it was one of the most torturous moments of my life and yet I had to unravel it to like to understand that 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 was the case for me that that was my experience I set out to understand this this moment and and the person I had it with um, such as I could, the roundabout way, with research. And in the process of that research, I realized, much by accident, that I was exhibiting a number of behaviors with someone who is considered to have complex post-traumatic Stress Disorder, or CPTSD. That came at quite a surprise to me. Uh, 
I had not considered any such thing at any moment before. And well, uh, depression, I guess, you know, that would that would be a good candidate. But um, nothing, nothing like complex PTSD, which is which is a a um, a response. It's it's more of an emotional response to a what is what is usually ascribed to uh, a series of traumas, especially similar ones, uh, and and so the afflicted person feels emotions very strongly in certain situations but without being uh, aware of why that the these emotions are being triggered versus versus the more um, distinct PTSD which we often talk about the the you know as like as an example a soldier's response to gunfire or firecrackers etc and we know exactly why that 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 person is going into um maybe into an emotional shock but but you know often often a, a bodily reaction um etc a fear reaction, whatever, whatever that might be, but it, but we know why it is. We know what's triggering it, and and one of the ways of thinking about it is that there's there's imagery attached to that trauma, and in the but in the case of complex PTSD, there's no imagery. There's no movie repeating, and when when you know, so we might say the soldier hears gunfire. You know, he has imagery in his mind that takes him back to a moment when there was gunfire. And he might be reliving that moment. And he might be reliving it emotionally, but he's, but he's firstly, at least partly, reliving it visually and, and audibly. The, the complex PTSD um, is, is without... Reliving that movie, watching that movie, hearing that movie, etc., and so the the afflicted doesn't know why necessarily they're getting really emotional about something that is stirring them in in the present, and they just there some little thing can can push them into um, fight or flight. And they don't know. They don't know that it isn't the present moment that's so alarming to them, because the thing that has triggered them isn't visually available, and that they know. Oh, that was a moment. That moment is in the past. It's not. It's not the problem right now. Now, I've gone into several minutes of explanation about a uh, psychological disorder, we might say, um, that, yes, it is a disorder, <laughs> pardon me, the, I've gone into several minutes without, without clarifying that it wasn't until after I, I learned about myself that I acted with the, with a pattern of behaviors like someone with PTSD that I actually consciously observed myself having an emotional flashback like I described and the the one that stands out took place almost 2 months after I put this together for myself but that's not to say that I didn't have some at other times. And if I'm looking back on that, uh, you know, I'm investigating that right here at, in this moment. And I'm going, okay, maybe that is what that thing is. 
maybe when I just just can't stomach the current moment, you know, I'm not yelling at anybody. I'm not crying. I'm not. Um, I'm not f- fawning, etc. I'm not doing any of those things. I'm just, just in my head. I'm very uncomfortable with the current scenario and the people that I'm around, and it's it's unbearable in a way that I can't I can't describe. And maybe my reason for ducking out of it doesn't make any sense. Um, rare sorts of moments. But maybe, you know, I can have a really subtle one. Anyway, I've gone on too longer than I wanted without explaining that I just realized at that time, one year ago, that I was displaying these, these co-behaviors that a psychological professional had observed in clients with CPTSD, they would do a certain set of things aside from having emotional flashbacks, aside from some of the the regular obvious fear responses, you know, uh, etc. Um, one, of, one of these examples that came up was do you not open your mail or do you not even retrieve your mail at all? And, uh, you know, um, this was among a list of things at the time. And, and so, oh, please, please, I, I hadn't even meant to leave that out. So I, I'm not trying to make this show about, um, uh, diagnosing yourself I really would prefer that you seek the help of you know your your regular clinician to to maybe you know to see uh to be to be recommended or or you know to be screened etc to to see a psychotherapist but so I even intended to leave that out because I don't want I don't, I don't want that don't want you diagnosing yourself and I don't want also though to give the impression that I've been diagnosed but I was in a a highly receptive state when I encountered this information and realized just how um, just how close to the um, to the target it was in in describing me and 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 I think I want to I want to reemphasize here that I had gone out looking into this sort of information to try to understand someone else and so when it had come to me when it had just kind of fallen squarely on my own identity that was that was like I look at that contrast as as being pretty important in 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 my ability to probably diagnose myself. And uh, a big a big part of this episode, which is 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 pretty much unplanned. I sat down uh, after pretty much forgetting that I wanted to include this next part. I sat down just knowing that this was the topic. And so the the next part is, my point is, so, so, so many people are walking around with, in their day-to-day, living by way of, of, of maladaptive behavior, to cope with a trauma that they don't know that they ever went through. I'm I'm not totally certain that I've gotten near the bottom of investigating such matters for myself. So it's I'm thinking it's got to be very critical for others to be trying to get to 
you know, to, to try to identify these things. Uh, and maybe that is just, that is just too obvious of a statement. And, and, and maybe a meaningless statement, I guess, is what I'm trying to uh, say there is because how, how do you investigate um, what's going to drive you to do that? What's going to drive you to find out that you're actually in pieces? And usually the answer is the moment when you think you just shattered. You find out. <laughs> That's the moment when you find out that you've actually been shattered for months or years or decades. And so I guess the real call for attention is to everyone, everyone, to be conscious of the fact that there are so many people walking around, living their lives in a post-traumatized state. So many things we accept for normal as healthy that we even promote as healthy are actually things that human beings are not wired for and 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 our societal norms are unfortunately um, promoting traumatizing behaviors towards children towards adults mostly you know, the relevant part is mostly towards children under the age of seven. And I, you know, we, we don't know. We are not conscious of that. We're not conscious of the traumatization. And we're not conscious enough of the traumatized uh, among us. And, and maybe that's... There would be a new twist on preaching to the choir that I haven't, I didn't quite hit there. You know, most of most of the audience whose ears I'm going to reach are going to end up actually being, you know, you know, they're going to find out, hopefully, or not, hopefully, um, they're going to find out when eventually that they are among those traumatized. Who don't know that they are, right? I, I, I. The the more I learn, the more that seems to be the case. Switching gears here a little bit, um, toward toward empathizing with those other people, who is just about everyone, by the way. So empathize with yourself. What I learned recently is that someone who is experiencing, uh, you know, ongoing depression, CPTSD, and and similar similar trauma responses has a has a very relevant toxic superego that is the the negative voice is is strong within them and it was pointed out to me recently by a professional that People who aren't traumatized don't have that voice. Don't have a voice telling them, no, you can't do this. Now, that might be difficult to accept for, for, for many listeners because it's 
isn't it very, very difficult? I mean, that that's that's pretty sharp, right? How do you get on the other side of of that knowledge? Well, you have to be sitting down and and talking to a bunch of people and realizing that you're going to be asking them questions and finding out, oh, half of these people have never had any doubt that they could accomplish whatever it is that they wanted to do. Oh, or whatever portion of the people it might be. And and then you and you and you talking to a bunch of other people and you realize these people over here have almost always had doubts about everything they ever thought about doing and had more doubts about it about some things than they ever had positive expectations right and then you then you you could start to figure it out wow okay got a lot of phone traffic here apologies so the there we are we have we have people with strong inner critics they're called and then we have a bunch of people who don't really even have an inner critic um, I'm not the one who made that claim. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to. I haven't done any research on the ver. You know, on the veracity of that claim. I tr- very much trust the person who made that claim, and and I'm. I'm. Uh, you know, whether it's from his own experience, or whether it's 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 from psychological literature, so. I find it I find it tolerable enough to to put into discussion. So so the, the, the but the level there it points to the level which trauma reaches our ability to function in the world. If you if if you have if you have a critic telling you you can't do stuff, the inner critic. If you had this voice which which you're likely going to to um, you're going to engage with it, or you're going to think of it as a voice of reason in your head, like it's just it's just the voice, or as if it's just the voice that is pointing out the cons of certain situations, you know, of, of your wants and, and desires. You don't maybe 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 it's it's the same voice maybe the same voice that says you don't deserve that is the same voice that says you can't accomplish that because of X Y and Z. The latter formulation sounding really logical, and you don't deserve that. Well, that's kind of an arbitrary claim relative to just about anything you don't you don't deserve that i mean it's 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 irrelevant because on the on the flip side we know that it just doesn't really matter what you do deserve it's no guarantee of getting it so it you know so it, the the matter of of not deserving it is pretty much just as random like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether you deserve it or not should you go for it and and so there there it is it's like well if 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 I can poke a hole in in that, do I deserve it? Question, and it it turns out that 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 same voice that says you don't deserve it is the voice that you think is just your logical um, downside estimator of things. That would be interesting. What do I mean by the same voice? Well, I'd be talking about the superego. The toxic superego, then we would be asking questions like, "Well, is it the same part of the brain, or is it is it uh, come with a certain subset of neurochemicals, uh, etc." So I would be talking about literal biophysical, uh, biochemical, physical, or biophysical biophysical uh, steps 
that would that would constitute that voice that there would be real um, physical matter that is that it would be associated with that toxic superego it's not that we wouldn't all have the capacity within our own brains to to house that superego but it's not developed in all of us the same that toxic superego what is the toxic superego unfortunately this is going to be the critical voice of parents for most of the people who have such an issue. And again, that just cuts to a core reality of, of the fact, the, the, the likelihood that our parents are going to be the parties who are at the center of the trauma, you know, they're, they're the generators of the trauma that is driving us years and decades later to do one thing or another that is really not what's best for us, really is leading us astray of what would, what would be good for our emotional well-being. And unfortunately, we just all have to, you know, we all, we all need to find that out. And, and correct ourselves individually, but hopefully eventually discover the pattern of behavior, pattern of interactions with children that would stop this vicious cycle. Because it is a vicious cycle. The more, the more traumatized people we have um, walking around as adults because they've traumatized as children, the more traumatized children we have because we have we you know they're born unto traumatized adults who don't know why why it is that they are where they are and how they are there and who they are like you know so th- again the you know one of the top tags that i put into the this show um, is awareness awareness over and over and over again that 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 word means different things to different people who are looking for podcasts to look at look you know to to get into but i I keep putting that word awareness on here and and that's a word that that often follows mental health mental health awareness i'm i'm an advocate for mental health awareness and um Good for those people. I don't know what they mean because I've never, I've never had a conversation with someone who just in conversation mentioned, "Oh, I'm a mental health awareness advocate." But we do need it. So here it is. Here is is my my uh, piece in in saying, "Yeah, we do. We need we need mental health awareness," and it's pretty. A, a broad range of awareness that we need or um, one one that is both very simple and also very deep which is that we're all being exposed to a lot of traumas you know like child, your childhood's over cool you're you're surrounded by traumatizing stimuli every day if you if you are within earshot of this podcast I'm afraid that you are you are being probably inundated with with traumatizing stimuli, and like that is the level of mental health awareness that we need to actually begin at. We need to redraw the lines of how it is that we treat one another from birth. I, uh, so I'll give an update here. I I don't intend this episode to be about me. I really don't know that I could do with your attention, so that's not what this is about, but hopefully, uh, on the one hand, it's just going to give me room to talk, maybe that I still don't know that I need, and on the other hand, maybe it will be useful to some of you. I took this idea the most seriously during the first couple months after I realized that I might 
have complex PTSD and certainly observe myself very differently and observed the ways in which the more obvious signs of emotional flashbacks were showing up. In the next few months that followed, I had a different different set of life experiences, so uh, which were much more tame, uh, subdued, and and private. You know, it's it's we're living in these strange times, so I wasn't interacting with a lot of people, and and, and not in ways that would expose me to getting upset usually. So. There's, there's one thing kind of out of the way. And then I would also try to deal with, with the matter of, of managing anger or, uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Managing anger in situations where I might be, where I might have an emotional flashback and, or just managing it in general. I read a really good book along the way titled Untethered Soul. I probably ought to reread that book. And and then I've just had several more months in which I've been busy. And, and so the main takeaways from most of that time was, you know, from the last year has been, well, well you need to, you need to cope with every moment the way you want to, to, to be in life in general, which is calm. And, and so you might struggle, carry through some moment again, but you need right now to be committed to letting, um, you know, your, your negative emotions pass you know, be recognized and pass through you as quickly as possible, I suppose, and um, and and um, you know, express them though in a way that allows other people to also feel calm and safe. And it's surprising, I think, how quickly I could accomplish that. The other things I've noticed is that that there there might not be really a line. I'm not sure if there's a line between between someone who's um, has depression or um, complex PTSD uh, or some or some similar behavior. I'm not sure if there's a line between those people who drink alcohol and those same people who are alcoholics. Or you know, it's, it's like the the question really starts to open up, which is, okay, why is anyone drinking? You know, more than on the holidays or on, on, on a celebration, etc. The, there's a new opening there um, for to the, a new a new area of inquiry that needs to be made, it, which is like, look, yeah, it's just one, or yeah, it's just two, on on two different nights of the week, and I I think there's room for explana- exploration. And I, and I come to that very respectfully to you as someone who's, who's been that, oh, well, I, yeah, I just have one or two per night at home, you know, at the end of the night. And I also now come to you as a person who's realized that as someone who seems to have complex PTSD, alcohol is really not is really not a viable option for me. And for many such people, neither is caffeine. So I've, I, uh, I've been working for a month or more 
to to drink less coffee. Uh, that's easier for me to do this time of year, but uh, I've made some progress there. I think I'll get there. I think I'll quit drinking coffee. And I had gradually drank a lot less alcohol over the last six months. And I made the decision only in the last few days to stop entirely. It just doesn't work to be depressed, generally speaking, and then and then consume depressants. And it also doesn't work very well to be to to be stimulated in the way that caffeine can stimulate a brain when um when a lot of the reasons that somebody might have um, complex PTSD involve overstimuli, which then, you know, we can talk about being amplified, etc., because of caffeine. We just don't need the upper downer, um, the extremes that, that come with those. So, and then for me, of course, it's like, well, a little bit of alcohol kind of, if I drink that, if I had a drink at six, I, I might need a, a coffee at seven in order to plow through an evening. I know I know that I've spent nights here recording when that was that was the case. And so I'm 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 planning on getting through my nights and evenings on uh, longer time frames from now on. And, and being more productive and more engaged with my life just because I didn't think that uh, an alcoholic drink was okay at 6 p.m. And, and this is the hard part, is that I genuinely love beer and wine and uh, some... I, I I love a good cocktail, like an authentic margarita, etc. There's no question I love these things, and I would drink them if they were not alcoholic. I I'm I'm certain of that. So it that that's what makes this has or has made it difficult in the past. Anyway, now I just I've I've just reached. I think that I've reached the conviction to make it happen. Another note that I will make is that I did almost instantly enter therapy as a result of this revelation that I've mentioned and uh, another, you know, few set of of plausible um, problems, behavioral problems that I just you know all of a sudden discovered and it didn't go very well at all uh, in fact it kind of involved one of the the uh, the dynamic that kind of played out and fed into one of my top traumas as far as I can as far as I've been able to gather uh, I'm gonna leave that out uh, of of just of just what that is and how that is. I'm gonna leave that out of this episode. So what I'm getting at there uh, is that the sessions ended prematurely, uh, probably you know probably before I'd saw the progress that I would have liked to, and. I at the time was just I was just not able to drive myself back into seeing another therapist and and that's that uh, I, if anybody's out there who, who's thinking that that the therapy is where they need to, to go I I said it for months or years before I ever got there that we all should be so. At this point, anyway, and and I think 
I think that if your reply to that is that's silly, uh, it just it just shows, you know, it shows that you're naive. I, you don't, you know. It may be that one you're you're one of the very lucky people who has no inner critic, <laughs> and uh, but I I would say that it's it's very unlikely that you 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 know you have nothing that would that you that would be helped through therapy, psychological therapy, and and also you just have no idea how many people are struggling with things that in many cases they don't even know they're struggling with. And it would be better that we were all working to heal whether or not we knew we were wounded. But don't be don't be please don't be discouraged by my experience please persist in, and in finding a new therapist you know working through and, and, and getting to a therapist you know that 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 suits your needs that that's probably part of the problem that I had is that I really kind of only thought I had the the patience to to search for one, you know, and, and try to make some progress right off the bat. There are tremendous implications at stake, which, you know, it's again, it's it's a fate of the humanity sort of discussion that that unfolds when you consider that trauma breeds trauma breeds trauma and so we we have a bunch of pieces in place today in 2021 that are going to rapidly rapidly as in exponentially increase the number of of dysfunctional and disordered persons around the world I said going to I said that with I said that with so much certainty because this is what happens the human brain we don't understand it but one of the things that we understand and it was part of the reason that we can have something like a a a field of psychology is that that human behaviors are replicated that you know there's that there's always a return that 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 patterns of mind repeat yeah i'm saying it will happen i'm saying we will have a mental health crisis as if we you know if we don't already have one we will have a booming one in which again most people won't be cognizant of the fact that that that's the case because we'll all collectively be so traumatized we just we just won't know hardly any of us will know where the trauma is etc so uh, that's really what's at stake and so I just think that it would be better that we we figured that out and we stop uh, you know doing things like wearing masks all the time you know because you're gonna have children that ever only ever see like two or three faces you know and I had a friend point point that out like just early on in 2020 that that uh, his wife smiled at a child when they were passing in the store and then realized oh that child has no idea that I was smiling and this child is gonna go who knows how long without seeing strangers smile at them and gal that's just hugely important and it's flying right out the window in the lives of many children hopefully hopefully not too many but it's sad enough that it's happening at all Never mind the fact that they're just not having enough contact with enough people. That's also a biological 
problem as well uh, as a mental one. So it's it's enough to be recognized, but it's it's something that there's no need losing sleep over. Yes, we need to change. We need to be adaptive and we need to be receptive to the possibility that we might have already shattered and hit the floor. You know, we, we might already be in pieces. And it's okay. We can move forward from such realizations. We can, you can even do it quickly. Um, and, and I think that for many people who have, who have been operating according to some trauma response, but who don't have that inner critic to hold them back, yeah, you know, that might be rather disturbing to find out the sorts of things I'm talking about. But they can quickly bounce back. Um, finally, I guess, you know, this, this should have ended up earlier on in the podcast, which is, what is, what is it, what does it meant? What does it mean for me, basically self-diagnosed with complex PTSD? How, what, how does this affect my life? And it has affected my ability on, you know, so it's really, let's get down to a practical level. Well, I don't open mail that, that presents some problems. Um, you know, it's a quick jump, quick, uh, acceleration from there to, to not being aggressive about paying bills, not, um, so sometimes not paying them on time when I could, um, not, not, uh, being very interested in, finances I would say I'd say that's something that'll that ought to intrigue a lot of people which is that you know that that spouses you know, a lot of times find that their partner is is not cognizant of of household finances you know not household budgets etc and we just take that for granted as someone who hasn't been financially educated, whereas it might it might have to do with some other thing entirely that has nothing to do with how well they were educated, but you know just just what experiences they've been through in their life. So again, again, this perspective of mental health awareness brings forward a lot of interesting questions. What else does it mean? Um, part of the inner critic tells me don't don't contact that person, you know, it's not going to lead anywhere. You know, you're you're not going to have you're not going to have a good conversation or they don't want to hear from you or that person's too busy for you. Don't don't ask if they want to spend time together. Um, goes on from there, and you, you mix in questions uh, for let's specify for a single male in his thirties. Well, no, she's not going to be interested in you. You know, she's too successful, or she's not going to be interested in you because you're too. Um, too eccentric or too deep or too dark or too um, serious, etc. She's not going to be interested in you. You know, don't waste your time. You know, you're not as you're not accomplished enough. You know, there's there's a good mix. Or maybe do I do I over question whether or not I would be a good father, and and, and thus not like get more aggressive about about again the same the same field of of uh, finding a mate and uh, etc 
there's there are these behaviors that that affect a person's life more than just the moment that they realize that they're falling to pieces you know realize that they're coming apart so i had had an emotional flashback um about two months almost two months later uh, after i realized this i i knew within an hour or so that that is is what had happened um but this was also this was also a very conscious event so so consciously the the um the antagonism or you know I was, I was kind of you know having an argument with someone consciously i was i was very much having a struggle because i was being spoken to inappropriately and also was was not being listened to either and you know it, 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 a lot of that came down to a a, a non meshing of perspectives about about an important subject and so we you know we we couldn't see one another or at least i i at least i don't think that she could see me and um in that moment but i was getting more emotional about it i did i was more emotional about it in that moment because of a past trauma which was really very fresh but um and and probably also because of past traumas um I got I got fairly emotional and it was something that I was able to contain with uh fairly well but it didn't didn't matter um cuz I wasn't able to salvage that that moment and that that really sucks you I wasn't able to salvage that moment I wasn't able to salvage that relationship um you know, and so it's like if I could have held on to the the fact, you know, if I could have held on to the expression of my emotional state and toned it down just a little bit, there was a there was a a really promising part of my life that could have played out. Instead, that was cut off. That potentiality ended because I I was responding to more than what was actually happening. I was responding to like you know the building echoes of of the past. It's like you imagine you know imagine standing at the end of a tunnel wherein wherein the uh, a train is moving toward you down that tunnel initially you're hearing just the echoes of the train and as it as it approaches you but as it gets closer and closer and closer you're hearing the echoes still but you're also hearing more of the firsthand sound wave and so by the time the train reaches you, you're hearing not just the firsthand sound wave right from coming that's coming from you know the rails right from you. The echo is still shooting down the the tunnel. That is what it's like to be in in, a, in an emotional flashback. Is that you're you're being bombarded with the sound of the present, so to speak, while being also, you know, way more bombarding with the sound waves of the past, and they're hitting you all at once, and and what you see is just the the train car, you know, the subway car, let's say, in front of you. 
but you you feel as if you know you feel as if there's there's uh let's say 10 or 20 or 100 subway cars that have been barreling towards you it's that sort of stimulus um i'm sure i'm sure that i know at least one person who is much more afflicted by this disorder than i am and way 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 more and there have been times when i have just been cut to pieces in pain thinking about such people so i want you to think about this the next time the next time you think about a friend whose life just seems like a fraction of what it could be or could have been I want you to think about the possibility that something happened in their life that that they didn't just not handle well they didn't know that they needed to handle it they didn't know that it was a, a damaging blow to their psyche and they probably don't know that that thing is in their way still and i don't know i don't know how to tell you how to support them I, I know I know that the first step it just seems to be that that lame mental health awareness that hey um, mental health awareness be aware there are different states of mental health and I guess that is a good ending point to to uh, head out on is that, Ultimately, mental health is the way out. You know, at this point, so far, uh, most of the work of, of the field of psychology seems to have been to identify that which has gone wrong. There's not been um, a lot, you know, there's, so it's, it's, it's we've, we've claimed a disorder, but we've not said, Okay, here's here's order. How here's how to order, etc. Uh, we've we've not gotten very far down that path, though we could very 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 quickly. And one of the things that we have to do is to say, okay, what is health? What is mental health? What is a state of healthy mind? Or or what are states? You know, we might say a row of states within the same mind, and or what's what's what are healthy ranges? How flexible should we be? What what alternative states that we can you know generally consider unhealthy? What what how flexible should we be in uh, in reaching them? Because we have to kind of we have to kind of entertain the variability as as an interest. Uh, I'm not going to dig into that right now. And as I already mentioned, one of the things that would have to go hand in hand with what is a what is a picture of mental health would be what are strikes against mental health? What are psychological traumas that you know what are they? Like uh, um and and so what are what are not only, you know, I'm so again, I'm I'm suggesting that we reevaluate where we might be going wrong. And then we also ask, okay, what are psychological promoters? And because and, 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 supposedly there would be a spectrum in between those two ends, and we should be more interested in the promotion end than the traumatic end, right? But we should be more interested in the promotion end than the less promotive middle of the point I'm trying to make. 
So I, I don't think that we've been aggressive enough about that. I don't think that we're nearly cognizant enough about that. I think I think we spent way too goddamn much time just focusing on getting through the day or getting through the week and paying a bunch of bills versus actually focusing on how we might make this place more harmonious. Thank you for your time and your attention. Have a wonderful week. Okay, here we go.